You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are going to be a lot of great things going on this summer at Collective, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. So I know what some of you are thinking, what the heck is he doing here? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, On Tuesday this week, our guest speaker texted me to let me know that they had tested positive for COVID. And so I texted them back, that's cool, just don't breathe on anybody, Uh, which they didn't really appreciate, so I'm here. Uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) They did get COVID, and I told them, uh, Ray and I don't head out to Israel for another week, and so I was totally willing to come back uh, and see you all. I miss you all so much. I came back early. Um, And listen, I'm not upset about losing a Sunday of my preaching break. I'm not upset about being with you today. Um, I love being with you on Sunday mornings. In fact, I was going to go to like one of our supporting churches, uh, and and I love them. They helped us start. I hate going to other churches. I just do. It's just not the same. Uh, They don't have the same vibe, same feel, and I just feel uncomfortable the entire time. And so I'm, I'm glad to be here anyways. Here's why I'm upset, though. So last week, I wore this shirt. Right, And I did that because I was messing with you all, because I knew that we were breaking them out this Sunday. It was like an Easter egg in a Marvel movie. And so I didn't expect to have to be up on stage to tell you that I was messing with you. I was going to disappear for a month, and then you were going to come back, and you were going to forget all about it. But that isn't the case. And so now you know I was wearing it last week, because this, today we're breaking out our Maryland flag T-shirts. Now, for those of you whose feelings are hurt because I was messing with you last week, or some of you have started to figure me out, and so you came up to me on Sunday, and you're like, are those coming out next week? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm sorry. Not really. I'm not sorry. You're going to be okay. Um, So here's the deal about the shirts. One thing we've learned about Collective is that you all love swag, and you have an unhealthy, very unhealthy obsession with the Maryland flag. And so we put the two together. So today and next week, we will have Maryland flag t-shirts and tank tops available for 10 bucks. They range from extra small all the way up to 3X in the t-shirts, all the way up to 2X in the tanks. These are limited edition. Once they are gone, they are gone. We are not going to order more. You'll just be rocking them for years to come. 10 years from now, people are like, where'd you get that? And be like, you had to be there back in 2022, and you weren't, so you don't get one. Um, so you can go out, buy as many as you want. Your second service today. So just so you know, first service came first, and they took a lot. And so even though they'll be back next week, get them today. You can buy them for your friends and your family. You can replace your whole wardrobe because you just love the Maryland flag so much. We don't care. But after church, they head to the parking lot, um, grab some swag, some new Maryland and new uh, collective stuff. All right, so let's get into this. Um, Right now, we're in this series called Pro Tip. And last week, I finished up my sermon by giving everyone the challenge to read a chapter of the book of Proverbs every day until the end of this series. And I know some of you guys are doing that. So if you're doing that, how's that going for you? Are you enjoying it? it Proverbs is an incredible book. Uh, I know for me, I'm reading through it again. I love it so much. If you haven't started it, it's not too late. Now, there's 28 days until the end of this series. After this series, we do a grocery store buyout, and then we start another series. So technically, you have like 42 days if you want to. Um, start now. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You can get it done in a month. We did. Proverbs 1 last week, so you can just skip that one and start on chapter 2 if you'd like. Um, But I promise you, you will love going through this. I've been reading through it with my staff and their spouses, and one verse that really hit me this week that we talked about came from Proverbs 2, 
It says this in Proverbs 2, 2 through 4. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. And this is ultimately what we're trying to do in this series. We are seeking out wisdom and understanding. And we want wisdom because wisdom leads to a better life right now and a better future. But the biggest reason we are seeking out wisdom right now is because wisdom brings peace. And ultimately, I think that's what we all want in our lives. One thing I learned this week about the book of Proverbs is that it was written to be a reference work that you would turn to over and over again, like an encyclopedia. Now, for those of you who are 25 and under, an encyclopedia is like Google, but in a book form. You had to own like 30 of them. You didn't own them all. And so you knew nothing about anything that started with the letter R. But that's essentially what encyclopedias are. And so Proverbs is like that. Right? The idea is you go back into this book and you read about topics like family, like work, like being a good neighbor, having healthy friendships, your money, anger, forgiveness, sex, alcohol, marriage. These are things, these are topics that you can find in the book of Proverbs. And another topic that you'll come across over and over again is just how powerful the words we speak are. In writing, repetition is a sign that something is significant and that the author really is pushing for the reader to take in what they are sharing. And this is definitely the case when it comes to this topic. Solomon and the other writers of Proverbs understand the weight of our words and the impact that they have on those around us. And so here's the big idea for today. Here's kind of the overarching topic, what today is all about. If you're taking notes, this is where you start. Write this down. Our words matter. Our words matter. The words we say, the words we give, the words we type, the words we send, the words we post, they matter. Check out these Proverbs. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. One scholar wrote that many conflicts arise not because the issues separating the parties are so great, but because of the temperaments people bring to the confrontation. Right? How real does that feel right now? It's less about the conflict and more about how we talk to each other inside of it. Proverbs 16.28 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. The word that's used for gossip in the Bible literally translates to a whisper. And so gossip is a whisper that attacks a person's character. And in fact, if you read from cover to cover in the Bible, gossip is something that's talked about in the Old Testament and in the New Testament over and over and over again. And the reason why, is as, Solomon, as, uh, as Solomon says, it destroys relationships. Gossip destroys relationships. Proverbs 26, 28 says, a lying tongue hates its victims and flattering words cause ruin. When we lie, we hurt people. When we lie to someone, even if it's someone we love, Solomon says that it's because we hate the person we're lying to. We might not literally actually hate that person, but our words say otherwise. But it isn't just words that can have a negative impact that they talk about. There's also words that have a positive impact as well. Proverbs 16.24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. Right? Think about getting a handwritten card from someone you love or praise from someone you look up to. You feel those words in your soul. You hold on to them. Oftentimes for a very long time, we put those words in prominent places because they are good for our body. They lift us up. 
Psychologists have actually found that words can literally change our brain wiring. That a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Positive words and encouragement can strengthen areas in our frontal lobes that promote the brain's cognitive functioning in healthy ways. They can propel the motivational centers of our brain into action and build resiliency. Research has also shown the longer you concentrate on positive and uplifting words, functions in the parietal lobe start to change, which changes your perception of yourself and the people you interact with. In other words, kind words are healthy for the body. Proverbs 12:18 says some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Our words can bring healing to other people. Whether that's when we apologize for when we've hurt someone, it's when we choose vulnerability, we share our own insecurities, our own doubts, our own fears with someone else so they know that they're not alone, or it's simply when we offer up encouragement. Our words matter. They can heal or they can destroy. They can build others up or they can tear them down. They can bring joy or they can incite anger. In the book of James, the New Testament, James compares the tongue to a bit that goes into a horse's mouth to control it. He also compares it to a rudder on a ship. And what he's saying is, although small, it has a huge impact. He's saying the things we say, although they feel this big, they are so powerful. And so the big picture, the big idea is that our words matter. That is wisdom for us to hold on to. But what do we do with that? Because just knowing that our words matter, it can lead to change. Like we, we can make a change in life because of that. It can lead to us being more intentional with the words we say and what we share online. But there are some tangible things from the book of Proverbs that we can do, some actions that we can take to show that we truly do believe that our words matter. And so here's the first one. We need to recognize when to keep our mouth shut. Listen, I tried to think of a nicer way to say this, and I like workshopped, and I was like, nope, this is just it. We need to recognize when to keep our mouth shut. Also, this is biblical. So Proverbs 10, 19 says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut, right? We need to recognize that there are times when we shouldn't talk, right? If our words matter as much as they do, then we also understand that there are times when we should keep them to ourselves, Proverbs 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Now, sometimes people will tell me that the Bible is irrelevant and outdated. This makes me think that they might be wrong, right? This also makes me think that they're spouting off before listening to the facts and actually reading the Bible. Like, I'm just saying, this feels pretty relevant to me. Listen first, speak second, right? We listen first, we speak second. Here's another one, Proverbs 29, 20. There's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. This one's pretty heavy, because if you remember what we talked about last week, the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. So Solomon is saying it's actually better for you to not have any wisdom, to ignore everything that he writes in this book, to disregard everything that our life experience has taught us, than to be someone who speaks without thinking. Like in this world, there are fools, and there are people who are lower than that, and those are people who speak without thinking about what they're saying. Proverbs 13.3 says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Right? <laughs> like sit on that for a second. There's not much more we need to say about that. And here's the last one. Proverbs 21.23 says this, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. 
of all the verses that we just read, this is the one that hits me the hardest uh, because my inability to keep my mouth shut has caught a lot, caused a lot of problems in my life. Uh, my freshman year of college, my friends and I got into a lot of trouble. On multiple occasions, we thought we had great ideas, and instead, we ended up getting fined or having to do community service for things like destruction of property and breaking and entering, disturbing the peace, all super minor that you don't need to worry about. And each time we got in trouble, we would end up sitting with the dean of students, and I would always feel the need to argue about everything. And so I'd say things like, if you had better security on campus, they would have caught us lighting off fireworks, and it wouldn't have woken everyone up. So ultimately, this is your fault. <laughs> or if the pool was open later, we wouldn't have to break in to swim at midnight. Again, this is all your fault. And of course, this would just get us into more trouble. And so the last time we sat down with the dean during our freshman year, he told us, you have two strikes, one more, and you're gone. We didn't listen. Very long story short, at the beginning of our sophomore year, we took all the tires off of a friend's car so we could hide them throughout campus and make them do a scavenger hunt to find them. Again, in our mind, great ideas. The issue is we never got to the scavenger hunt part because campus security called the cops, which if campus security was actually doing their rounds that night, they would have stopped us and this whole thing could have been avoided, but I digress. And so one thing led to another. The car was fingerprinted, a police report was drawn up, and a few days later, we got an email from the president of the college asking us for a meeting, uh, which he wasn't asking. He was telling us, you are meeting with me. And we were positive, 100% positive, that we were going to get kicked out. So as we did our walk to his office that day, we made a plan as a group to plead our case. And the plan started with, Michael is not allowed to say anything. <laughs> that was a real rule, rule number one. There was a Michael needs to keep his mouth shut rule because my friends knew that I was going to go in and try to argue our case and ultimately get us into more trouble. And so while I was prepared to fight, I trusted them and it worked. I literally didn't say a word the entire, I was like shaking. I was like, I need to say something. I didn't say a thing and we didn't get kicked out. So I am living proof that this proverb works. <laughs> so essentially Solomon is saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And yes, that is oversimplifying this, but Solomon is teaching us, you don't need to always share your opinion. You don't need to always get your point across. You don't need to always have the last word. You don't need to always be right. You don't need to always say the first thing that comes to your mind. There are times in our life when it is best for us to keep our mouths shut. And so before you say something, you have to ask yourself, do I have all the facts? Am I listening? Does this need to be said? Does this need to be posted? Do I need to comment on this? The answer to that is always no. Does the person I'm talking to know me or even care about my opinion? Right? And if the answer is no to any of these questions, don't say it. Just don't say it. Sometimes not saying something is the best thing to do, and we need to recognize when to keep our mouths shut. All right, here's the second action we can take. And so if you don't keep your mouth shut, here's what we should do. We need to choose words that bring life to others. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love the talk will reap the consequences. Do you remember the nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me? We all agree that that's complete garbage, right? Like our words have the power to give death and life, but we have a choice. And so we have to ask ourselves, what type of words do we want to use? 
And honestly, if you look at the world around us right now, the world is choosing words that bring death all the time. According to a study of more than 11 billion social media mentions, and this is really important because it's mentions, not posts, right? So it's when you comment on something, when you reply to someone on Facebook, when you tag somebody on Twitter. According to a study of more than 11 billion social media mentions, researchers have found that the majority are overwhelmingly negative. They have also found that users in the U.S. and Great Britain share more negative posts on social media than any other country. And researchers don't believe this is a fad. Originally, I know it's hard to believe, originally social media was positive about 15 years ago. And it's kind of been on this downhill slope since then. And so this isn't a fad. This is the direction that social media is taking us. And the reason why is because they've learned that negative words have a strong impact. Negative words carry more weight and lead to more negativity. There's another study that was published in the Harvard Business Review about the power of negative feedback, and they found that it takes five positives to outweigh one negative, five to one. And listen, I know that we understand that words can bring death, that words can bring pain and insecurities and deep, deep wounds. Most of us, if not all of us, have experienced that in our lives at some point. And I know that it's really easy right now for us to think about what he said when we were younger or what she said we were in a fight or what that stranger said to us on social media that we can't get out of our head because those words hurt. And I wouldn't blame you for going there in your mind right now because that's immediately what I want to do. Right now, I would rather tell you about all the times that people have used words to hurt me, but how they've hung over me for years, how I've spent time in therapy digging into the pain that those words caused that impacted me so much, right? That's what I'd rather do right now. That's what I did a few years ago when teaching on this topic. But please hear me as I say this, right? And I'm not saying that the words shouldn't hurt. They did, they do, they should hurt. And you should continue to fight for healing from that. What I'm saying right now is that when learning about wisdom, it's about what we can do. It's our actions and our words. Right? This can't be about them. This can't be about that person that said that thing to you. This can't be about this person that you hope passively somehow comes across this sermon and thinks it's about them. That never works. Right? You can share it and you can tag them in it and be like, I don't know if this is for me. And it's not. This is for us right here and right now. Right? We can't control them. We can't change them. We can't give them the wisdom that we are learning. We can pray for them. We can hope that they eventually understand it. But the choice is ours. So we need to choose words that bring life into our marriage. We need to choose words that bring life into our family, into our friendships, into our place of work, into our neighborhood, onto social media. Ephesians 4.29 says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, so encourage each other and build each other up. Going back to the Proverbs we read earlier, kind words are good for the soul. Wise words bring healing. And so we need to choose words that bring life. Or we already know the other option. We can just keep our mouths shut, right? I'm just gonna keep putting that in there. Now, here's the third action that I wanna point out from the wisdom of Proverbs. We need to hold on to God's words. And really, this is the most important one. This is kind of where we need to start. We need to hold on to God's words. Proverbs 35 says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. 
And what Solomon is doing here is, here is he's comparing. He's saying in comparison to other people's words, right, to what the world gives us, God's words aren't those. God's words are true. Another translation says it like this. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Other translations say every word of God is pure or every word of God can be trusted. Above the words of other people, above the words of our culture, above the words of trolls on social media, above the words that Satan tries to keep in a loop inside of our mind that we can't get rid of, above the words of unhealthy parents, bosses, and friends. We need to hold on to God's words because they are truth. This past year, Elise went into first grade and going into the year, Ray and I knew that there were gonna be moments that were hard. You know, she's our oldest kid, the first one going to school. We knew that Elise would have good days and bad days and we wouldn't be able to be there with her. We knew that there'd be growing pains. We knew there'd be times when she was thriving and times when she struggled. This is normal for any kid going to school for the first time. But one thing that Ray and I overlooked about Elise growing up and going into first grade was other kids. Because one of the hardest parts about your kids growing up is that your voice isn't the only voice in their life anymore. And this hit us really hard when Elise came home from school one day and told us that other kids were making fun of her. And she was weeping, like she's a big crier, she's weeping, and telling us about how these kids that she thought were her friends were teasing her. And it was devastating. And of course, my first reaction was to go and fight some elementary schoolers. I was Googling, is it self-defense if I punch a kid who teased my daughter? No, okay. Is it self-defense if I punch the parent of a kid who teased my daughter? Right, because we all know, and this is, this is a very serious thing, we all know that bullying is a learned behavior, right? It starts with the home. So if kids say mean things, it's probably because they picked it up from their parents, right? And for those of us who are parents, if our kids say mean things, you know, we, we can blame Netflix, right? We can blame YouTube, but ultimately they're learning it from us. And so while it hurt us to see her hurt, here's what we realized. Ray and I can't control the words of other people. We can't. And throughout Elise's life, there will be kids and adults that use their words to hurt her, and there's nothing that we can actually do about that. But what we can do is make sure that our words to her are stronger, that they are bolder, that they are more consistent. We can remind Elise every single day how much we love her, how proud of her we are, how smart she is, how fun she is, how beautiful she is. We can control what we say to her. And so the morning after this happened, before I dropped her off at school and before she got out of my truck, I turned her and told her, you are awesome, you are a great friend, you are thoughtful and funny and kind. And it doesn't matter what nasty kids say about you because your mom and dad know you the best and we think you are amazing, right? And so you don't need to listen to the words of bullies. You can listen to your mom and dad who love you more than anything in the world. And then she got out of the truck and she actually walked right up to one of the kids who had been teasing her. And I had no idea what she's saying, but I could see she had a ton of confidence and a ton of attitude. There was a lot of like hip moving and like fingers and stuff. And I was like, this kid's getting it right now. <laughs> and then she walked into school. And so that afternoon, I asked her what she said to that boy that was teasing her. And she told me, she said, I said, my dad is older than you, which just felt unnecessary, but whatever. <laughs> I said, my dad is older than you and he knows more than you. And he said that I am awesome and that I don't need to listen to you. But then in, t in typical Elise fashion, she said one more thing. And even though you were mean to me, I'm still going to be your friend, right? Clearly she learned that from collective kids because that's not coming from me. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. 
My words matter more to my child than anyone else because I am her dad. And Elise needs to know from me just how much I love her, how much I believe in her, how amazing I think she is. Those are the words that she needs to hold on to above the words of bullies, above the words of kids, even above the words of her teachers. It should come from me. And the same is true for us when it comes to God and it comes to his words. God is our creator. He loves us. We learned last week that we are intentionally here. Wisdom was there in the beginning and God decided to create us. God wants what's best for us. And so above all the noise in the world and all the other words in this world, it's his who should come first. This is why I encourage you to read the Bible so much. Because if you are not daily immersed in God's word and his truth, then you are missing out. We need to know God's words. Not just how to live our life. Like it's gonna teach us how to live a better life. But we also need to know his words to know how God sees us. Because if we're reading our Bible every day, this is some of what we'll read. God says that I am his masterpiece and his workmanship, Ephesians 2. He says I am established, 2 Corinthians 1. He says that I am sealed with his promise, John 6. He says that I am redeemed, Colossians 1. When I don't like myself very much in this moment, John 15 says that I am loved. When I don't seem to be gaining ground in this battle, Romans 8 says I am more than a conqueror. When I don't have confidence in myself right now, Deuteronomy 31 says I am strong and I am courageous. When I don't know how to fix that part of my life, 1 Peter 2 says that I am healed and I am whole. When I don't know how long I'll continue to struggle with the same old sin over and over and over again, 1 John 1, 9 says that I am forgiven and I'm free. When I feel lost and broken and unclean and I feel that shame in my life, 2 Corinthians 5 says that I can be made new. And when I feel all alone, Matthew 28 says that God will never leave me or abandon me. And this is one of the reasons why I believe in God and why I follow Jesus. In fact, if you are not a follower of Jesus, this is one of the reasons why I think you should put your faith in him. This is one of the reasons why we encourage you every single week to check the baptism box here and connection card so we can talk about what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus. Because if we don't believe in God, then someone else is the ultimate voice and ultimate word giver in our life. If it's not God, it's somebody else. And so that means it's either ourselves, which I think we can all agree is probably not a great idea, or it's somebody above us in the social structure of this world, right? It's our bosses, it's teachers, it's people that are older than us, maybe it's a sibling, somebody who has the power and authority over us, then they become the person whose words matter the most. And speaking from experience, that is a dangerous and painful way to live. But when we allow God to be the ultimate leader and the ultimate word giver in our life, that gives us freedom, that gives us confidence, that gives us hope. Because the identity he gives us is so much greater than what other people will give us. So he will build you up, he will encourage you, he will tell you that he loves you over and over and over again. He will tell you that you are strong, that you are courageous, that you are capable, that you are worthy. And those are the words we need. Like Solomon said, those are the words that give us life. They protect us. They can be trusted. They are true. And when we hold on to God's words, guess what happens? The words we say reflect that. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Another translation says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another translation says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
And so if we truly do understand the wisdom that our words matter, if we actually care about that truth, then we will do everything we can to allow God's words to fill our hearts so that we can bring that overflow back into this world, into our relationships, into our family. The other option is we can just keep our mouths shut. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your words. God, I think it, it, it takes pressure off of ourselves. God, I think there's a sense of relief knowing, um, God, that we don't have to be the ultimate word giver in our own life. God, because as much as we believe in ourselves, you believe in us more. And as much as we love ourselves, you love us more. And as much as we want what's best for us, you, you want more of that. And so God, as we wrestle with this topic, with this wisdom that our words matter, that they make an impact, that they bring life and death, God, I pray that our first step is to be filled up by your words. God, I pray that we open up the Bible and we read just how much you love us. God, how much you think we're lovable, how worthy you think we are, even in our mess. And God, I pray that we allow that to be the overflow of our hearts that we bring back out into this world. God, the truth is we know we're up against something pretty massive right now when it comes to words. God, how we talk to each other, how we respond to each other, um, these wounds that we have from words. So God, I, I pray that um, us as individuals, but ultimately I pray that collective as a church can set the tone in what it looks like to bring life into the conversations and the relationships that we have. God, also give us the wisdom to know when to not say anything at all, because we know that also brings love into this world. God, thank you so much for this wisdom. God, help us heal from the pain that we receive, but God, also help us understand that our words matter so much that we don't want to bring pain and wounds to other people as well. God, thank you and love you and pray this in your name. Amen.